Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code KATE. Have you ever listened to a progressive liberal and thought, the wheel is turning, but the hamster is dead? The Kate Daly Show starts now. Defending fascism? No, I'm exposing you as a fascist. Because, because... Do you realize... Uh, I'm, I'll tell you how. You asked me a question. Hold on. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with the black shirts in Italy or the brown shirts in Germany? Do you realize that they would go to campuses, goons, and would stand in the back of the room? And when somebody tried to make an intelligent presentation and answer questions, they would shout them down, yell at them, try to intimidate them, and count as success if they could get the event canceled and the speaker threatened. But see, the problem is, sometimes you get speakers like me who are not scared of people like you. We recognize your frauds. <laughs> I recognize, I recognize that ultimately you are afraid of ideas. You're not willing to engage with me. Yes, you're afraid of ideas. You're not afraid of fascists. You think I pose a threat to you? I'm an immigrant. I came to America with nothing. What threat do I pose to you? I love it. <laughs> that was uh, Dinesh D'Souza. has been on the show three times. And uh, welcome to the Kate Daly Show. Today I have such a treat for you. And when I say that, I really mean it because I... I'm, t- I'm looking forward to today's show, and I usually don't say that when I'm by myself, <laughs> quite honestly, but I'm going to share with you some of the most brilliant responses, some of the most brilliant minds in answering some of the leftist progressive narratives um, that you've ever heard, and you are going to have these aha moments today, I just know it. Um, this is going to be uh, aha moments, maybe a great reminder if you've heard these before, but also um, when tackling, I think, what we're up against right now, especially in an election year, especially with the holidays uh, coming. Um, with the holidays coming, you know you have family members that don't feel the same way you do or vice, you know, whatever. Um, different political ideologies, okay? And I know that you have college students, Um that need to hear this. Oh boy, do they need to hear today's show. I'm about to do two hours of this and it's going to fly by because I'm going to present some really fascinating conversations for you. And I hope that you enjoy this. Um, all right. So this is how I'm going to start out because today I'm going to cover, let me just give you a little uh, preface, um, black privilege, a conversation between two black people, um, also on racism, also on white supremacy, 
climate change, why the left and the right are their perceptions of the world are so different. This is so crucial to understand the foundation on which what the two sides they say of America believe in and why. This is so brilliant. And uh, LGBT, I'm going to comment on that. Uh, just something else I want, a conversation I had with somebody I want to share with you. And then poor get poorer. Is that true? Is it true? No. I'm going to show you why. Atheists, what, is the, what are the two things that, that uh, they have a hard time answering and describing? Um, also, uh, progressive left, why it's aligned with radical Islam. And, um, of course, socialism. And then, of course, central uh, critical race theory. We're going to cover all this today. Here we go. Now, I got to I got to get through this. So I got I got I got to start. <laughs> this is uh, you're listening to the Kate Daly show. You can go to katedalyradio.com, Kate Daly, D-A-L-L-E-Y radio.com. Um, and you can get all the podcasts, recorded versions of this show after the show, after this live show today. Let me present to you a conversation. Listen very carefully to the woman explain what white privilege is and how the person interviewing her, who is also black, is going to absolutely 100% shoot down everything that she says. Here you go. You're going to just, you're going to love this. Here we go. Does white privilege exist? Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. And where's the proof of that? All around. You know, I tell people often now, in hindsight, um, one of the things that I wish I would have been more cognizant of was the white privilege at UCLA that was sitting, you know, right next to me. For black people, I believe white privilege is something to to leverage. Um, what is it, though? I, I don't see it anywhere. What is it? Huh? For people like me who don't see it, how do you not? Uh, what? How do you not see white privilege? Because it doesn't exist. That's yes, what it does. There's so some, what there's is it things, exactly? I believe white privilege, or is just the ability just to be free and white and not have the same type of social, economic, uh, and social ills as black people have to deal with. I mean, there's there's no uh, white racial profiling. White people don't get pulled over by the cops just because they're white. Um, they have the ability to, um, you know, show emotion and, and love to their sons without being emasculated. Uh, th- there's all kind of examples That's of white privilege. You Absolutely. Why don't you? You black. How come you don't believe white privilege exists? What you see? Well, because I, I, you know, I am black in color, but I don't have that dark mentality that most black people have. Clearly, I see. She said clearly. Mm-hmm. I see that uh, white people have the same struggles and things that we have. In that, what type uh, of struggles they have to do make they have? their marriages work? They have to uh, make their children help their kids grow up in the right way so that they can earn a living and be in. They also have the majority of their fathers at home. Right. And the reason for that is starting to change somewhat now. But the reason for that is because they are taking responsibility for that. Whereas black men and women are not taking responsibility for that as they did prior to the civil rights movement. Black people are blaming it on their lack of self-control and self-containment. They're blaming it on white people while white people are working hard to keep it going. I do believe that there is a need for black people to be held more accountable. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't mean that that doesn't excuse racism. That doesn't excuse institutionalized racism. That doesn't excuse. But there's no such thing as that. It's an illusion made up by black people and their leaders. No, it's not. 
It exists. Well, Sorry. where's the proof of it, though? What do you mean, where's the proof of it? There are many kids who are getting into, black kids who are uh, allowed to get into these universities around the country, right, based on affirmative action. And uh, because of affirmative action based on their color, that's discrimination based on color, and that's wrong. And I these am, kids are getting in, but they're not earning their way. I, so they, when they fail, they feel less than before they were allowed to get in based on color. I'm a proud product of affirmative action. When I went to UC it was because I was an affirmative action student. I'm sorry to hear that. And, and I think I turned out fantastic. So, and so a lot of my peers who were having challenges getting into some of these predominantly white institutions, the affirmative action was great. My father went to to Harvard. You know, he was one of very few blacks. Was he affirmative action? I don't, I don't don't know if he was that was back in the late 60s well, then he wasn't he okay. earned his way so that being said I still believe that affirmative action helped me get into UCLA and it gave me access you would not have gotten in there on your own because you were not smart enough I don't know if I wasn't smart enough but based on the curve and what I was competing with 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 you know other individuals who had different ec- um, educational opportunities and teachers I mean I'm coming from you know, the L.A. Unified School District. I mean, so at the time, I think LAUSD was still pretty good. But I went to all white schools um, from high school up to So you got college. a good education. Why couldn't you get into the school based on your own talent? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe because I didn't have some of the opportunity. Uh, but you had all, the opportunity. No, well, first of all, You had the, the same SAT, opportunity those white kids were having. Not necessarily. I had different teachers. I had different so you resources. Went to a white integrated school. I'm talking about going white. into these other uh, into UCLA. I still had to do be able to deal with some of the issues and going to predominantly white schools. Like but what? I still had to be able to compete. Like what? What do you like? What? Some of the issues going to a predominantly. I went white. to when I went to uh, I would graduate from Listen University up. High School, and at the time this they didn't important. have an African American Student Union. Uh, we an African American Student Union mm-hmm. at the school. Well, that's a good thing. They didn't have one. That's a good thing. Why? Why do you need something like that? They, well, they have Asian student unions. They have Jewish student unions. They yeah. have all kind of Did different Did they have student white unions. student unions? They need student unions. They, they own the whole school. So <laughs> but the kids <laughs> didn't own the school. The kids didn't but I'm that. saying there's nothing, I don't think there's nothing wrong it's with having a you segregated uh, you know, population of students who just want to uh, study together or work together or to be able Would to Would you be in support of a white student union? Yeah, of course. It would be okay with you? Yeah, why oh, not? But most blacks don't feel that way. I think all cultures should be able to, to segregate and to be able to work within their cultures and network within their own cultures. Absolutely. Wow. But here's the key. And isn't that a fascinating conversation? He was just, he just kept at it. Don't you love that? And he's black and she's black. And all she has to say is it's all around you. And I had all these obstacles at UCLA. And he says, well, did you earn getting in? And she couldn't really answer that. It was like, well, no, I got in through affirmative action. Well, then you shouldn't have been there. You didn't earn it. And and then, of course, when he says, well, what were you up against? Do you know the only thing she could say was that it didn't have a black student union? How? I'm sorry. Um, I Going to school is the first thing you look for a union to get you through school. <laughs> she couldn't just find friends that were black or white or Asian and study with them. She had to be segregated um, on her on on her terms and it had to be done through a union in order to in order for her to feel that um, she could compete with white privilege. 
every single time the interviewer asked her to explain herself, she looked at him like, what do you mean you can't see it? And it was like a given. Of course, there's white privilege. Then explain it. I can't. (laughs) Amazing. Um, It was amazing to listen to that only because when you keep pressing for the truth, it's amazing that the answers are shaky at best, not there. Um, They can't. Uh, They can't come up with anything solid. In fact, when I come back off the break, he asks her in a very, very quick clip, does racism exist? And she acts like he's off his rocker. (laughs) What do you mean? Of course. Okay, how? When asked how, she could not answer it. And so I'll play that for you when we come back. I'm also going to play Charlie Kirk, Kirk, uh, Kirk on white um, supremacy um, <laughs> because he absolutely takes somebody to task on them asking about this. These are the kinds of things that if you start to, there's lots of platitudes. There's lots of things that can be said on an issue, but what's really fascinating is, can you back it up? Do you have evidence? Why are you saying what you're saying? What experience tells you that? And when those questions are asked, It's unbelievable, the response. And this is how you know that when you're talking, and I'm picking on progressive leftism today because it's permeated our media, it's permeated our politics. There are so many lies being told that we must tell the truth and we must know how to combat this when you're together with family and friends and you have college students and you have kids being indoctrinated by public school. You better know how to shore up those answers and talk to them about this because they're hearing this garbage every day. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Hi there. Welcome back. Kate Daly Show. Special show for you today because um, on this Friday, I'm discussing uh, and presenting different arguments uh, to the progressive leftist narrative and some ammo that you can take away with you, which I think is really necessary right now as we're coming up on the holidays, being around family, also uh, college students coming home with their very liberal progressive teachers shoving every kind of awful uh, ideology down their throats. And uh, the kids are going to college and turning out to be extremely liberal progressive. We're going to be talking about so much today in the show and so many answers for you, aha moments and things that you can take away. One thing about the tape that I rolled on two black people talking about white privilege and the interviewer just annihilating this woman, (laughs) I just, on, on what she thought, what? Everybody knows this. Well, then explain it. I can't. That was the argument. Listen again to what she says about white privilege. Listen up. Or it's just the ability just to be free and white and not have the same type of social economic uh, and social ills as black people. Have. Wow. So no, <laughs> we're, just, we're just free and white. We don't have any problems. I love that. I didn't know that. Did you? as black people have to deal with. I mean, there's there's no uh, white racial profiling. Really? There's no white racial profiling? Are you kidding me? 
There's teen racial profiling. They see a teenager and they love to pull them over. Are you kidding me? Also, uh, depending on the kind of car you drive, the kind of scenario situation you're in, white people get uh, arrested all the time or pulled over uh, for kind of innocuous reasons to kind of see if maybe there are some drugs in the car because maybe it looks like an older vehicle. Maybe it looks like an older vehicle and, uh, you know, maybe there's just enough, uh, you know, a suspicion there to pull them over. She acts like the only people ever pulled over are black people. Are you kidding? Are you kidding as far as racial profiling is concerned or profiling in general? It is profiling in general is what it is. Here you go. White racial profiling. White people don't get pulled over by the cops just because they're white. No, that's um, not true. They have the ability to... Um, you know, show emotion and, oh, and love um, to their sons without oh, being emasculated. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you kidding? Wow. And also she had made a mention of the fact that uh, they don't have their fathers at home. That's a that's a choice. That's not because white people did that. That's because the black dad made a choice to leave the family. But you know what she chalked that up to? White privilege. When asked, she could not answer what it was. That's why she's telling you it's, uh, oh, men can be emotional with their kids. What? What does that even mean? She could not quantify that. He asks her in this next clip, does racism exist? Listen up. Does racism exist? I believe racism does exist. And where's the proof of that? <laughs> I you love see him. it all over in the country. There were proof of it. What, just the what do I see? Disproportionate in the economics with black people. But that has nothing to do with racism. It does. Racism is about power. It's about who's in control. And black people can't be racist because we're not in control. We're not in control of the educational system, the some of the social uh, organizations and things that run this country. Um, president? Racism about power. Obama? What you control, control of your own life if you had good parents, if they taught you how to be independent, if they taught you how to build, how to take care of. I've noticed that the reason I left where I lived over there in the Crenshaw District is that once the white people left, because once I moved there, when I first moved there, it was mostly whites. But once they left, as they did in Gary, Indiana and other places, the blacks turned it into a ghetto. A beautiful area went to hell in a handbasket, so I got out. But if blacks had more character and they were taking care of themselves and being responsible and buying land and teaching their children. But that children, has to be taught. Then, right, has, so that, that has, has nothing to, be, to do with racism. But that has to, that, of course, that has to be taught. So it's not racist. It's not white people's fault that you're not teaching your children to do that. No, but, but it's not, Is that the parents true? don't know. They if don't the parents, know, if so, but that's if, not if white people fault, know, though. It, but if they go into some of these institutions, these predominantly white institutions, they are targeted. They don't have the same opportunities because of their color. They, wow, what I mean, opportunities? I mean, why go in there then? Why not go to all-black school if you some feel Some people that? do choose to do that. I'm sorry? Some people do choose. That's well, why why they, I, you see a lot of these black kids going to uh, these white universities, and then they, they force their way in by saying, I need affirmative action. Once they get in, now they cry racism. Why do you want to force your way in with the people you think are your enemies and you're still complaining once you get there. I don't think people are forcing their way. I don't, does they affirmative, are. affirmative action, action exist? Is forced based on color. Does, but does affirmative action exist? Are people getting in based on affirmative action yes. today? Otherwise I mean, they wouldn't be there. It, it, the way Trump has it down, he's just leveled the playing field. So oh, now it's going Trump. going to have to be more about <laughs> being able to be competitive. Hallelujah. Oh my gosh. That exchange. I mean, are you just blown away? 
She had she wanted to prove racism in America. He kept shooting it down. Both are black. He kept shooting it down at every turn. She keeps blaming everything on racism that's not racism. Just choices, situations that you have control over in America. But let's put it this way. Is there another country that offers you as a black person more opportunity than America? Please tell me what the country that is. Wow. It's hard to listen to because I I love that he keeps going after it, though, and keeps trying to get her to admit that that these problems are not due to racism. I mean, they're, they're really not. Everything that she was listing has nothing to do with it. She wanted to go to UCLA. She was black. She didn't earn it. She wanted in anyway. She got her way. When she got there, she cried racism. Why? They didn't have a black union for students. Because in her mind, that's where racism exists. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to listen to. Here is Charlie Kirk. This is a student telling him that he is a white supremacist national organization. Turning Point is a white supremacy group. Looks how, look how he shoots this down. It's a two-minute clip. Here you go. Would a white supremacist organization host a black leadership summit? Good question. Yes. She says yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can be... Would a white supremacist organization have a black female communications director? for over- Yes, sir. Ideological shields. Yes. There are ideological shields. What are those? Further your talking points. In order- <laughs> Every much is committed to bigotry and white supremacy. Would a white supremacist organization host the nation's largest young Latino leadership summit for five yes. years straight? Yes. See how the crowd can isn't you, buying can it? Can you name one instance when we have ever tolerated hatred once? When you have ever tolerated hatred? Yes. <laughs> well, you claim that your organization is not white nationalist and not white supremacist. So why did Identity Europa think that your organization was prime breeding grounds for their views? Because they're idiots. Because they're idiots. So Yeah, she's talking about a group that identified them as a white supremacist group. Now, he's just proven, Charlie Kirk, that they're not and in, in so many ways, right? They, if they were a white supremacist group, they would not have had all of those things, right? Yet she goes on to say that, well, a, a group over here has, has convicted you of this. This is his answer. So, wait, 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 wait. No, I, I want to I have an honest discussion with that's you. That's not right? honest. That's because just... I do agree that you should look in the mirror first before asking people to solve your problems. Just tell me honestly, what do you think it is about your organization, without you being a white supremacist, without you being a white nationalist? So you don't think I'm a white supremacist? Let's just get this straight. No. Okay, good. I think you enable it. Oh. Enable it? How? How would he enable it? She's first talking about a group that just said that they were a label. White supremacist. Okay? She can't back that up. That group isn't there. Um, who cares what somebody says about a group? Is the group that, okay? So that was her initial accusation, right? And now it's, you enable it. Wow, that's further than just a group calling them that that name, okay? Now she's saying he enables. I enable. Yes. Despite every time I encounter anyone around that ideology, I repudiate it and I reject it. I'm asking you why you feel... What else would you want me to do? I'm asking you why you feel... 
that what it is you think about your organization that, that might attract white supremacists and white nationalists, because you've repudiated a lot of members who were later revealed to have white First nationalist of all, ties. It's not a lot of members. You're talking about four people in a membership organization with hundreds of thousands of students over seven and a half year history. You're, you're looking at four isolated examples that the dishonest press decides to look at, despite the unbelievable body of work that Turning Point USA rejects anyone that has hatred. Turning Point USA has diverse leadership summits, such as a black leadership summit. And you kind of lost me after that one, by the way, that you could host a black leadership summit and also be white supremacist. Amen. Same kind of accusation came for Trump as he's a racist. People love to say this and then never back it up. How can you be a racist if you had a black girlfriend such as Trump did? See, this doesn't work. It doesn't work. How can you be a sexist pig? That's the other complaint about Trump. How can you be a sexist pig when you hire so many women to run your organizations and have faith in those women to do that? How can how, they can't be the evidence isn't there. And when you ask these kids, when they when they say and repeat these things, and you're going to hear a lot of that in today's show, the repeating of these things they hear from CNN, but none of them can be quantified. None of them can be explained. It's it's truly amazing. Is it not? So when I come back, I want to talk about a little bit about uh, Jordan Peterson taking on um, the uh, the narrative of climate change, but in a different way. And it's going to it's going to go right into Prager talking about left versus right. Why we think the way we do. What is the baseline for our ideology? Because when you understand the baseline for the ideology, it's very easy then to understand why the left is the way they are, why they think the way they think. And it really will shed some light on that. It's a great aha moment. And I, of course, have to leave you um, in this segment with Dan Pena talking about the fact that climate change is not on any prospectus for investing. There's a reason for that. And it really kind of shoots down the entire narrative of, of well, of climate change, actually. Um, here you go. Sure. That means that the best scenario vis-a-vis global warming is about 10 feet raising water. That's the best scenario over the next 40, 50 years. That's the best scenario. The worst scenario is about 100 feet. But let's just take the 10 feet. If the water on the planet is going to rise up 10 feet, that means the southern part of the United States is gone. England is gone. Most of Europe is gone. And I can go, uh, most of Central America is gone. Okay. If that's the case, let's just take Florida, for example, which is one of the fastest growing condominium, beachfront condominiums on the planet. In the prospectus, when you invest, there should be, in the footnotes, if global warming is for real, they won't put it that way, global warming happens and water rises 10 feet, this investment you made is not one single investment prospectus written since 2000, this century, has alluded to global warming. If it were really true, the banks wouldn't invest. The banks wouldn't finance. So the people that have the money, and I'm, I'm jealous of the Vice President Gore. I am jealous he came up with a scam before I did. Because the financial institutions, the banks, of this world, no, it's not going to happen. 
Otherwise, you couldn't get a loan in London. Lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Kate Daly Show. Boy, no truer words from an Aussie song. <laughs> I love it. Uh, welcome back. Make sure you go to Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. Um, it is a fantastic supplement. Otherwise, I wouldn't be telling you to get it. That's just the bottom line. I don't know how else to say it. Um, Balance of Nature uh, is a food supplement, 31 fruits and vegetables every single day, plus all kinds of vitamins and nutrients in a drink that goes along with it and a fiber drink um, that is amazing. And you'll feel better. Your immune system will be stronger. And I'm telling you, um, throw away the mask, work on the inside. Uh, God gave us a great immune system, but we still need those nutrients. <laughs> and uh, the mask is not uh, does not hold your immune system. So in, in saying that, go to balanceofnature.com, order up. This is a product I promise you you'll love. And uh, you'll thank me for this one. And uh, put in the code Kate, K-A-T-E, and you can get 35% off in free shipping. When I did my homework... Balance of Nature was head and shoulders above all other food supplements. This is the one. You know you should be taking one by now. I would hope so. We've done enough shows on the food supply. You should be taking something. But I can't imagine a better one. This is this is just fantastic. Balanceofnature.com. You'll love it. Um, okay, so here's the deal. I want to play this for you. Um, we've covered race. Uh, I want to cover, uh, Jordan Peterson, what Jordan Peterson had to say. Now I want you to listen up really carefully because this is a different angle. I love how he responds to this gal. Okay. On climate change, but it's going to lead into what Prager has to say about how to make a better society and how the right and the left think so differently. And I love, uh, Jordan Peterson's boldness in this. Listen to how he confronts and how bold he is, because this is really where you have to stand with these people. Okay, here we go. This is climate change. Here you go. So what is your advice to young people when you talk about you need to be individually responsible, but when there are things that are so far out of our control, like climate catastrophe, like the precarious job economy, like you know, the They're economic crisis, what, what, is, you what, think. Is, what is your answer to people who Do you think that you're worse off than your grandparents? I think there are different challenges. Do you think you're worse off than your grandparents? The argument, I think, is that individual responsibility does not change um, the climate, does not fix the problem that needs global collective responsibility. So I think that's the core of the question. Do you have a, a theory about that? Well, fundamentally, I'm a psychologist, and my experience has been that people can do a tremendous amount of good for themselves and for the people who are immediately around them by looking to their own inadequacies and their own flaws and the things that they're not doing in their lives and starting to build themselves up as more powerful individuals. And if they're capable of doing that, and then they're capable of expanding their career. 
And if they're capable of expanding their career and their competence, then they're capable of taking their place in the community as effective leaders. And then they're capable of making wise decisions instead of unwise decisions when it comes to making collective political decisions. I'm not suggesting in the least and have never suggested that there's no domain for social action. I'm suggesting that people who don't have their own houses in order should be very careful before they go about reorganizing the world. Ooh, let me play that again. <laughs> Because that's that is it in a nutshell. Here you go. People who don't have their own houses in order should be very careful before they go about reorganizing the world. Amen. Which happens in many ways. Amen. If a young person believes that the uh, climate, the global warming um, problem on the climate is something that needs to be tackled quickly and they can't wait until they grow up and become prime ministers to do it do do you think collective responsibility overrides individual responsibility in a huge issue like that no <laughs> okay just no i don't okay. I, I, think I love it generally, i think that generally i think that generally people i think generally people have things that are more within their personal purview that are more difficult to deal with and that they're avoiding and that generally the way they avoid them is by adopting uh, pseudo-moralistic stances on large-scale social issues so that they look good to their friends and their neighbors. That's what it looks Wow. Let me just play that one more time for you. Adopting uh, pseudo-moralistic stances on large-scale social issues so that they look good to their friends and their neighbors. Ah, adopting the I'm going to fix the world, I'm not going to fix myself. I'm going to fix the world so I look good to my neighbors. I'm going to fix the world and tell you what to do. You see this with the mask thing, too. I'm going to do that because I want a pat on the back for being a good person, even though I'm not willing to look inward and clean up my own house. Now, I want to share with you, on top of that, Prager, I love Dennis Prager, Prager on exactly the foundation of the left and the right and this is so profound. I, you know, it's funny. I don't think I've ever actually shared this on the show. I saw this quite a while ago and I never shared it. I don't know why. But this is so foundational to the left and the right and why we think the way we do. Here you go. A major difference between the right and the left concerns the way each seeks to improve society. Conservatives believe that the way to a better society is almost always through the moral improvement of the individual, by each person doing battle with his or her own weaknesses and flaws. It is true that in violent and evil societies such as fascist, communist, or Islamist tyrannies, the individual must be preoccupied with battling outside forces. Almost everywhere else, though, certainly in a free and decent country such as America, the greatest battle of the individual must be with inner forces, that is, with his or her moral failings. The left, on the other hand, believes that the way to a better society is almost always through doing battle with society's moral failings. Thus, in America, the left concentrates its efforts on combating sexism, racism, intolerance, xenophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, and the many other evils that the left believes permeate American society. One important consequence of this left-right distinction is that those on the left are far more preoccupied with politics than those on the right. 
Since the left is so much more interested in fixing society than in fixing the individual, politics inevitably becomes the vehicle for societal improvement. And when you look at all the things that Prager's talking about, because he's saying the right says fix the individual, and then eventually you'll have what you need in the society, right? You build character, you build integrity, you, you build your morals. And this is what, uh, this is how a good society, free from the constraints of, of government tyranny, right? You don't need all those laws because you're going to act. You, you've worked on self. Now you're going to act like a, a good person. And then, of course, that is what amounts to a society. A lot of those kinds of people walking around is going to be a decent, good society. That's what the Constitution was written for. He's saying the left doesn't want to work on self. They want to work as a whole to combat whatever issue they think and is, is, is driving the world. And like I've said before in the broadcast today, when asked about this, they could not get an answer. Um, you know, it, 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 people are racist. Well, quantify that. What do you mean people are racist? Well, couldn't come up with an answer. Couldn't, couldn't show how. How are we a racist nation? Can't, can't say, but we just are. Just believe me. We're, we are. That's, that's the answer you get. So the left is busy solving the world's problems that, that they think the world has. The right is saying, work on self. Enough of us do that. We're fine. But the left, see, without working on self, goes right to the issue and it's not fast enough. Why do you think climate change is every 10 years, we're going to die at the end of every 10 years for five decades now, six decades now. Every 10 years, we're going to die at the end. It's not 20. It's not 30. It's not 40. It's not 50. It's 10. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Pass as many laws as you can. Tax everybody to the hilt. That's going to make a change. Look at me. I'm for global climate change. I can't tell you what it's really doing, but I'm for it. And I, and we're all going to die. So there. That's the left's view of climate change. Here you go. One important consequence of this left-right distinction is that those on the left are far more preoccupied with politics than those on the right. Since the left is so much more interested in fixing society than in fixing the individual, politics inevitably becomes the vehicle for societal improvement. That's why whenever the term activist is used, we almost always assume that the term refers to to someone on the left. Yep. Another consequence of this left-right difference is that since conservatives believe society has changed one person at a time, they accept that change happens gradually. This isn't fast enough for the left, which is always and everywhere focused on social revolution. An excellent example of this was a statement by the then presidential candidate Barack Obama just days before his first election in 2008. To a rapturous audience, he declared, we are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Conservatives not only have no interest in fundamentally transforming the United States of America, they are strongly opposed to we doing like it. so. <laughs> Conservatives understand that fundamentally transforming any society that isn't fundamentally bad, not to mention transforming what is one of the most decent societies in history can only make the society worse. Conservatives believe that America can be improved, but should not be transformed 
let alone fundamentally transformed. The founders of the United States recognized that the transformation that every generation must work on is the moral transformation of each citizen. Thus, character development was at the core of both child rearing and of young people's education from elementary school through college. As John Adams, the second president, said, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And in the words of Benjamin Franklin, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. Why is that? Because freedom requires self-control. The freer the society, the more self-control is necessary. If the majority of people don't control themselves, the state, meaning an ever more powerful government, will have to control them. From the founding of the United States until the 1960s, schools and parents concentrated on character education. But with the ascent of left-wing ideas, character education has all but disappeared from American schools. Instead, children are taught not to focus on their flaws, but on America's. Social issues have replaced character education. An example is a new K-12 science curriculum, the next generation of science standards, which will teach young Americans starting in kindergarten about global warming. And when they get to college, American young people will be taught about the need to fight economic inequality, white privilege, and the alleged rape culture on their campuses. Ironically, if there really is a rape culture that permeates American college campuses, the only reason would have to be that there was so little character education in our schools. Amen. Or for that matter, at home. Fathers and religion, historically the two primary conveyors of self-control, are non-existent in the lives of millions of American children. We are now producing vast numbers of Americans who are passionate about fixing America while doing next to nothing about fixing their own character. The problem, however, is that you can't make society better unless you first make its people better. Amen. That was Prager. And uh, let me tell you, there's so much, there's, there's just a lot of gold in what he just said. We, um, we don't want to transform America. We love America because America is such a gift. We'd like to improve it, not transform it. The left wants to transform it without improving self. This is the basic problem that we have. This is why we don't see eye to eye. They are taught, our kids are taught from a very, very young age now that they have to concentrate on all social issues as an issue that they have to solve instead of solving self. No wonder we have so many problems communicating right now with the left and the right. No wonder. When I come back, um, if you don't get this hour on your station, make sure you get it on podcast. I'm going to be covering LGBT, a conversation I had. Inequality, are the poor actually poor? No, they are not, and I'll prove why. Atheist, uh, annihilist, socialism, critical race theory, you're not going to want to miss the next hour. There's so much gold in these two hours, and uh, I'm loving this. I'm loving this because these are walkaway points that you can talk about with your kids. Be right back on The Kate Daly Show.